Today, we are taking a brief trip back to a most amazing year. Our decade series continues, landing us in 2015. Comic book sales were booming. Multiple wars were being waged and a Dark Knight returned for one more round. Star Wars returned to Marvel. Secret Wars launched a brand new campaign and Frank Miller brought closure to his Dark Knight trilogy, which siren songstress ruled the music charts. I mean, just dominated. 2015 is waiting for us to revisit the very best in comics, movies, music, television, and games on an all-new edition of Observation. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Observations. Here on Observations, we celebrate all things comic books, all things superheroes, and how they have just exploded into the into pop culture across so many different platforms and have become basically the leading source of inspiration for stories, for streaming, for movies, for games. We love comic books. We love superheroes. I have been grabbing them off the spinner racks, the rusty, the creaky old spinner racks since I was seven years old, 1974, rich memories of so many comics, how they transformed me, how they inspired me, gave me my career in comics. 38 years I have been making the comics. This podcast was born in the pandemic three years ago uh, out of my abject loneliness and desire to talk comics and share them with you. Thank you for going along and taking this ride with me. Here on Observations, we do a series that has really hit a chord. I appreciate all of the great ways that you have all responded with so much enthusiasm for our Decades series. The Decades series jumps us from the 70s to the 80s to the 90s to the 2000s, and we look at a specific year and its effect, its its really influence on the entire culture, whether it was movies, whether it was music, the television, and most importantly, of course, the comic books. And, And boy, oh boy, do we have a year for you today, 25. 15. We are not going back terribly, terribly too far. Not not like when we've gone back to that disco era of 77 or 78 or to the mid-80s. We, we are just throwing it back. Eight years, eight years in the past, 2015. What a crazy year. And you will see, boy, comic books uh, are, are just really at their apex at that point. Superheroes in cinema, in in streaming, in so many different aspects. I don't know what you were doing in 2015. I was dropping kids off at at, at high school and doing pickups. And I remember so many of the comics that I'm going to share with you today, I remember getting news and and reading Twitter articles on some of these latest comic books as I was in the pickup line looking to grab my kids who were in their sophomore years, who were in their, you know, uh, uh, earliest years of high school, great memories, great time. But also, it was it was back at that time that my family we would we would go see so many of these things together. When your kids are fifteen and thirteen and twelve, you're going to the movies together. You're you know watching shows together. They, they haven't splintered off. They haven't become uh, really really disciples of TikTok yet. At least at least they hadn't in in my family. But 2015 is a great year, and there is a uh, really favorite point in that year it kicks off the year and it is so really nostalgic but you're going to see the comic books of 2015 
are swooning in nostalgia. We are going to go over the top five today, the top five comics. We're going to go over music in part two, in part two of 2015, because we're, we're, we're generally always cutting these into two different uh, do different parts. So in part two of 2015, we'll go more into the movies, the television, and we're going to now start doing video games. But today it's going to be comic books and and there's some 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 side commentary on a couple of these things that I want to get into, but also the music because the music is is hysterical as well. I mean, you can just go back eight years and you're, you've got a, a different flavor, a distinctly different flavor. 2015, we are absolutely going to give it a big giant bear hug right now, starting with what to me is the biggest moment in comic books of the last decade. And it certainly has the sales to back it up, but it is the momentous occasion that, and trust me, it rocked the kids of the 70s like me. It was a big deal because it reunited. This is literally chocolate and peanut butter of, of, of pop culture. It reunited the chocolate and peanut butter. The Reese's big cup of, of comic books and pop culture is Star Wars at Marvel Comics. Star Wars returning to Marvel Comics. Now, it was inevitable at that point given that Disney just a year uh, prior had purchased, just a year or two prior had purchased uh, Star Wars from Lucasfilm. George, George Lucas made that giant $4 billion sale. It was everywhere. It was splashed all over the place. And, you know, the idea, of course, was that Star Wars would then eventually, somewhere down the line, find its way to Marvel again. Because at the time, and boy, they did, they, they did a great job. Dark Horse comics had had the star wars license for literally at least 20 years at this time i mean it, it, i i remember when dark horse had it they start they started adapting some of the cool uh star wars novelas novelizations heir to the empire they did their own kind of uh big event maybe it was 96 D don't hold me to this but it was it was a 19 20 year span that that dark horse comics really was the curator of all things comic book star wars and they did a great job they did a great job of it at, at the end right as they obviously had been given notice that they were going to lose the license i think in 2013 2014 they did some of their very best comics they took the original screenplay the star wars the star wars with all of the uh, original incarnations of han solo and chewbacca and 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 you know luke star killer uh, and, and they made a tremendous I think six, five, six part comic book adapting the original George Lucas screenplay before it went through its all of its alterations to get to the 1977 film. And, and, and George has famously talked about this screenplay. So they took it. I remember when I bought a copy of this screenplay in the late 90s at a at a shop up in Hollywood that had these old screenplays and just being thrilled reading it and I knew that just just the slight alterations in the story and the different especially the different design and look of the characters uh, from the original Ralph McQuarrie concept uh, illustrations and designs Ralph just an incredible uh, part of the entire Star Wars legacy George hired him to give that visual component when he could go and sell this movie to the studios, of which, of course, we know all turned him down. Everybody but his buddy, Alan Ladd, at, uh, at 20th Century Fox, who gave him the go-ahead, who said, let's do it. Let, let's go. Let's make this happen. You know, George Lucas, uh, first first in the, movie, in, in, in the movie sphere, 
had to get turned down by all the bigs. Uh, finally, finding a trusted ally in 20th Century Fox, and what a payoff. What an enormous payoff that was. And then in comic books, uh, the, the licensor who was working alongside the licensing agent, working alongside George Lucas, uh, went on to find it maybe more difficult than he had anticipated getting a comic book adaptation made of Star Wars. And we have talked about this numerous times, especially season one. There's licensing episodes. Anything with a Star Wars on it in the in, in the first two years is going to take you down the tremendous story of how Stanley wanted nothing to do with Star Wars. Didn't think it was going to take off at all. Was not wowed by any of the pitch materials. But Roy Thomas, maybe the most important thing he did in his long tenure at Marvel Comics, convinced Stan, said, Stan, we've got to do this. We've got to take a flyer on this. And as I have gone through the sales history, it pumped millions of dollars into Marvel. It became their number one published comic. They did so many different editions. It literally, Jim Shooter, the editor-in-chief of the of the 1977 to 1987 time frame, said this book saved Marvel Comics. They were bleeding red ink in, in one year's time, pumped in so many dollars from the incredible amount of sales, not just the regular one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, uh, 35 cent, 25 cent comic book adaptations that they were doing, but then the treasury editions, the two treasury editions, and they combined them doing all six in a giant edition. They did magazine formats. They did, they did the pocket books. Marvel knew how to fleece this and they did. And, and they, and, and really honestly, it financed all of the experimental dollars that would later go on to launch Epic comics and finance young talent like a Frank Miller, like giving Walt Simonson his free reign they were fully loaded on the basis of the fact that Roy Thomas convinced Stanley it's been recorded it's it's written I've 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 read from the pocket books when Stan recalls his doubts and how it took Roy to convince him uh I believe his name is Charles Lippincott has detailed how how he, how he was uh you know it was the challenge getting Marvel to accept this. And here's the wrinkle. Here's if you read really into all of this lore. It's possible that they wanted DC to do it. And DC had already turned them down. And even there's rumors that Warren Publishing. Warren published these magazines. Uh, like Creepy and, and, and different, different sci-fi. Uh, the Rook. Different sci-fi magazines. Black and white magazines. Really good illustrations. Worked with top creators. But that possibly Warren was somebody that they wanted. But it, it, it is possible Marvel was their last shot and almost said no, but they went forward and it created this avalanche of success for Marvel. And and this is back in the days when, you know, they weren't even spinning off the X-Men for years to follow. So Star Wars was a standalone monthly comic book that that, that was that was at the top of the charts for Marvel for about a good three or four years. Eclipse Spider-Man, Eclipse Fantastic Four. They shut down the Spider-Man, I'm sorry, they shut down the Star Wars license in the mid to late 80s. Everything Star Wars kind of got turned off. George turned the machine off. Uh, the cartoons that were on the ABC network, the Ewoks, the droids, they played out and then everything kind of went dark. And when he flipped the, the machine back on, it was through novelizations with Heir to the Empire, uh, with Timothy Zahn. In either 1990, 1991, I just remember being there that day to grab that hardcover. The press was out. They were starting a brand new Star Wars trilogy with Timothy Zahn and this incredible new uh, uh, saga, which introduced you to Grand Admiral Thrawn, which is driving the Ahsoka series right now, which is ridiculously 
exciting. I am enjoying it so much. And I am having the best time reliving my oldest son's favorite period of his youth, which is the Clone Wars, the entire Clone Wars uh, uh, cartoon, and of course, all of the, basically the prequels. Because my son was raised on those. It was the first movie I ever took him to was Revenge of the Sith. And it freaked him out. And when the Clone Wars animated movie came out a couple of years later, he was super impressed with that. And then it became regularly regular appointment television on the Cartoon Network to consume the Clone Wars. I watched it with him. It was so fun. It was like, this is, this is what it would have been like to be with my young self when I was watching Super Friends, Spider-Man, Six Million Dollar Man, Bionic Woman. This was appointment television. There was often a sports, you know, appointment, passing league, uh, uh, football. When it was over... Or the very next morning, because we DVR'd it, Luke would sit down and it would become like a vent watching uh, watching this with my son, who, of course, did I say his name is Luke? You betcha. Was I inspired by Star Wars? Do I tell people that it's a biblical name? Is, is that up to you to figure out? Yes, that is up to you to figure out. But Star Wars coming back to Marvel just meant a ton to the kids raised on Star Wars who were there, who saw it in the theaters for the first time, like I did when I was nine years old in 1977, and then would see it 30 plus times that summer, twice a weekend. It was my babysitter. My parents were like, what? Robbie, go to the theater just down the block. We'll pick him up at six. We'll drop him off at noon. He'll see Star Wars. He'll grab lunch at the, because it was in a giant retail center. He'll circle back with his friends. He'll see it a second time. It was just what we did that entire summer. And, and if you bumped into kids, nine, 10, 11, 12, eight, whatever, that's what we did. Star Wars was that groundbreaking, that mind-blowing. And the comic books were great for, for many time, for many years. The Marvel comics were the only uh, exploration of the Star Wars galaxy. They had the license to go off and do so many different stories. And what you didn't know during the time was... Uh, you know, there was a directive handed down to Marvel. You cannot have Luke and Vader meet between Star Wars and Empire. And, and, and Vader would be hunting Luke and sometimes Luke would fight Darth Vader, but then you would find out it was a figment of his imagination. It was a, it was a dream. It was a, it was a, you know, a hallucination, but all these different characters were set up and there was pursuit, but they had to keep them away from each other. Even though in a novelization, the only really meaningful novelization to come out in, in the, uh, between Star Wars and Empire, the Han Solo books came out right before Empire, but Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which I've covered, I've given an entire podcast to Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It was supposed to be the follow-up movie had Star Wars been a medium-sized hit. That's why Han Solo, Chewbacca, no, very few people are in it. It's just a Luke, Leah, and the droids adventure, but it's fantastic. And at the end of that book, Vader and Luke fight, the, and, and, and the fans, you know, my age, 10, 11 years old, reading this, it's like, oh my gosh, I, I can't wait to see this. To this day, I wish that they would make a really cool, like Ralph Baschke styled cartoon of Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It is worth at adapting. It is so fantastic. It is so fun. Um, but yeah, Marvel Comics, outside of Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Marvel Comics gave us our giant exploration of the galaxy. There was the multi-episode uh, with the wheel. There was the uh, you know uh, Grand Admiral tag. I mean, we, we had all sorts of new villains and new worlds return to Yavin, return to Tatooine, more Jawas. I mean, really exciting stuff. Marvel did a great job servicing that uh, all the way through the mid-80s when finally they just, again, went dark, no more Star Wars, and then Dark Horse roared back. And it really, 
you know, was the flagship franchise at Dark Horse. But now Disney has bought Star Wars. And of course, they're going to fold it into their popular comic book label, Marvel Comics. Marvel did exactly what they were supposed to do. They trumpeted this return as loud as they've ever trumpeted anything in the last 20 years. Easily, easily. And suddenly, you know, we we, we went over a recent uh, episode on observations of sales. I encourage you to go back and uh, and 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 look at uh, I think it's the year 2000 that 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 episode discusses the sales and really where were we at in terms of comic sales and what is the lowest period that comics have 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 achieved during that period that that that, that is really the purpose of that entire episode and we we really go out and show you the data and walk you through the numbers of what was going on from the 2000s through through really you know 2020 and show you some of the top selling books and during that time we uncovered for you you know trumpets blaring do 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 the number one book the number one book uh of the last 20 years of the 2000s is marvel's relaunch of of star wars the new number one and yes as the market report noted it had at least 100 variant covers that's okay you know they did what it they did what it they, they needed to do to put that book over a million copies. I'll give you the exact number here in just a second, but it was a million seller for the first time in so long, not since the 90s had we seen a seven-figure uh sales, you know, achievement by any title. And Star Wars coming back to Marvel created that magic. Imagine um if you were a kid like I was and and I'm going to tell you right now in 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 2015 going back 8 years, you know, I am 47 years old. I'm 40 seven years old in 2015 and and so you know imagine the store owner that had been nine years old when he saw it and now you know he's got a store and oh my gosh when he got his store he was you know marvel wasn't likely doing star wars it was the dark horse stuff so now you grew up on marvel comics doing star wars and now you're going to be able to you know sell marvel comics doing star wars there was a magic from fans and retail like alike everyone went crazy over this and marvel booked some of the most amazing covers in the history of star wars covers you had alex ross doing not one but two several different variations on a theme you had uh you had just amazing covers up and down uh the line Uh, one site was able to post, I think, about 84 of them. But then you go to Virgin versions, you know, without without the logos and and different uh, different variations on variations, and that's how you get to over a hundred copy, a hundred different covers were produced for Star Wars. Nobody cared, everybody loved it, and they went back to press. I believe seven times on that launch, written by Jason Aaron, illustrated by John Cassidy. Uh, Marvel put top flight talent. Uh, from from their from their uh, you know illustrated and written ranks, they, they they went for the big mojo, and and they wanted you to know these are people that you fans have equated with our top sellers, and we are now going to put them on the Star Wars, you know, Star Wars book, and it will once again become our flagship, just like it was in 1977 when it saved the company's bacon. A hundred covers. I remember I hunted out. I hunted um, several of them. J. Scott Campbell did a number of them. I wanted those. Uh, there, there is a. I, I kid you not. There is a uh, New Mutants '98 spoof of of uh, 
of the Star Wars number one that came out. I had to have that. There was a giant size X-Men spoof with like Han Solo in the uh, Colossus position, I believe. Uh, really, just everybody got really creative. Comic stores were able to participate and buy their own variant covers. And this really begins this incredible run by Marvel where this may be, 2015 may be the biggest selling year in modern last two decades worth of, of comic book sales because we don't start with just we don't stop we don't stop with star wars we continue on to the secret wars they revisit secret wars in the summer and we're going to show you exactly how incredibly successful that was but secret wars boom immediate you know again nostalgia kicks in 1984 you remember secret wars was the number one selling marvel comic it took them to all new heights in terms of sales, marketing dominance. There was the toy line that it was designed for in the first place. And the comic book way, way overachieved, way overachieved, far beyond what Mattel had hoped to accomplish given a companion comic book that was selling it. Well, in 2015, once again, they are bringing some of their top flight talent, Jonathan Hickman and Esad Ribic, give you this brand new version of secret wars which i gotta tell you i believe is the uh single best story that jonathan hickman ever produced for marvel comics it's got the most ruthless modern version of dr doom and the way he uh that there's an issue where he basically resets the relationship the conditions and the consequences between himself and dr strange and it is incredible it is it is absolutely incredible and esad ribic uh just brings all of his artistic genius to bear and secret wars launches to giant numbers that summer star wars january secret wars may or june so you got the winter months covered with the excitement of star wars and star wars itself was not the only book they launched in this incredible banner year again as we are building up to the december release of the force awakens and i mean it was just the best kind of hand-in-hand -hand comic book and film marketing given that in the in the collectible space, the collectible marketplace that was comic books, Star Wars suddenly heated up like it hadn't in years. God bless Dark Horse. They did a great job. But that reunification with Marvel Comics was something that just took people, uh, just took people back. The people who had been there years before to to watch now, boom, the reunite the the the, the, the reunification with Marvel's label and star wars and marvel they're just two great tastes that taste great together we wanted it we approved it they did a princess leah number one they did a lando number one darth vader got his own comic for the first time this was a really big deal they had storylines vader down it was in my opinion the best year for star wars and i tell you wrapping up kind of this 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 star wars angle uh issue eight they did their second story arc and i am telling you i believe it is the best looking star wars story arc ever in the history of dark horse marvel first you know session marvel second current session Stuart amonin came on to do a uh second arc after the initial john cassidy arc i think it's star wars 8 he comes on so uh late summer of 2015 and it is the most stunning gorgeous luscious yes i'm using i'm using the word luscious uh I have never seen Luke. I have a soft spot for Luke in the yellow leather jacket getting his medal. And even in the, the, the 1977-78, 1979 Star Wars adventures, 
that they were doing in between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. They did a lot of uh, adventures Marvel did with Luke in his yellow uh, jacket and the and the and the black pants with the stripe down them from the medal ceremony. Great look. And when Stuart Amonin drew it, I literally I stopped. Oh my gosh! Like Luke Skywalker has never looked so fantastic. The entire cast, Stuart Amonin, really who is kind of the godfather of the modern day comic book style that has become so prolific, whether it is, uh, you know, Pepe Larraz or or some of the many different artists uh, drawing from Marvel and DC, they all have come from this Stuart Amonin template of drawing. I mean, he is maybe the most significant influence on the on the modern comic book landscape. And, and, and he himself came from an Adam Hughes template like 20 years prior to that, but then just turned on the afterburners and went way past where Hughes was, especially in, in, given the fact that Stewart does monthly comic book work. He had done X-Men. He has done, you know, uh, uh, Captain America. This Star Wars stuff, colored by the late, great Justin Ponsor, one of the most talented palettes, renderers, color, computer color artists, uh, in, in the history of comic books, Justin Ponsor, P-O-N-S-O-R, if you see anything he's colored, it was just spectacular. And, and again, I'm going to use the word luscious. Just gorgeous art. The Stuart Amonin arc is like the jaw-dropping, oh my gosh, I never knew Star Wars comics could look this fantastic. This is all part of this stellar year going into the banner, you know, new trilogy with Rey and, 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 and Finn. And, uh, and when The Force Awakened, to incredible numbers and shocked the world. Uh, Disney's first Star Wars film, you know, it was on the back of this incredible year, a hundred Star Wars number ones, million copies of Star Wars. I mean, the franchise was back in a way that it had, hadn't been in decades. And so that is a signature comic book and film achievement. So we're going to obviously in the film, uh, when we do films in part two, we'll get more into the Force Awakens of it all, the J.J. Abrams, you know, uh, vision of Star Wars and how that launched and 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 literally still has records that 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 you know, here we are eight years later that 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 other movies uh, are are not able to challenge and aren't able to break. I mean, what an incredible year for Star Wars. Marvel could not have managed uh, this cast of character, the, the the basically the family of Star Wars better. I don't want to call it a brand. It's a family to me. I, I have so much love for these characters. And again, the top flight talent from Jason Aaron to John Cassidy uh, to Stuart Amonin to all the people doing the Leah book, the Lando book, the, 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 the Darth Vader book. I mean, people just rallied to these books. They became the top selling books for Marvel. You'll see when we go through the, uh, the top of the charts just how incredibly prolific the Star Wars books were in the year of 2015, but again, it wasn't. They, they weren't alone. Secret Wars was a was a titan. It was a giant. But that that is Secret Wars and Star Wars were doing all the heavy lifting uh, for for Marvel Comics in 2015. But who also was sharing the load was the third, the trilogy, the 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 third part of the seminal Frank Miller Dark Knight trilogy. He revisits Dark Knight. One more time. He had written and drawn the sequel that was put out in the early 2000s and coincided with 9-11 during that that year and that release. And and in fact, the last chapters that Frank did of of his return to Dark Knight dealt with 
um, the fallout of something like 9-11. He had to implement it because it was it, it was such it, it had pro- affected him so profoundly. And there is imagery in the last two books, especially the last book of, of, of Superman bar- barely trying to lift up a, a building that has collapsed and some of the jagged uh, uh, shrapnel and 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 uh, just wreckage that that recalls the the imagery of 9/11 and Frank has always been very open about that but he wrote and, and and illustrated that just as he did with the original Dark Knight but this time around he was writing it and uh, Adam Kubert was on board to to do a, a fantastic adaptation and Frank did little uh, backup stories and mini comics that came uh, that, that came with the with the books and and they were fantastic and this collection is in my office in reach at all times again DC did not lose uh, an opportunity or lose a step in doing exactly what Marvel did Marvel opened the door wide with that 100 covers and they went out and did easily in the 50 cover range to 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 uh, to launch this third component in in the Dark Knight trilogy i mean it was a big deal marvel uh, I'm, I'm sorry dc leaned all the way into it it was called dark knight 3 the master race dark knight 3 the master race uh just blew the doors off was absolutely uh giant seller top seller for dc that year but if you look back you go okay so we got a kind of an echo of 1986 an e- echo of 1986 an echo of 1984 with secret wars and then of course 1977 looms large in the returning and 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 combining marvel and star wars again so it was a tremendously uh nostalgic year in in reuniting familiar franchises giving them fresh coats of paint and sometimes you just get that sweet spot where all of the readership is of the age to go crazy over it to go crazy because i mean when Dark Knight came out, when Frank Miller's Dark Knight, Dark Knight came out, I'm 18 years old. So, you know, how many readers at the time were 15, 14, 13, 16, 17, 18, 20? Okay, so we're all in that kind of range. So we were ready, obviously, for the sequel in 2001, and then boom, you know, even more so for this master race, which was even more uh, uh, expanded, multiple issues. And, and, and now Frank is, is handing off the artistic reins. To, to, to Adam Kubert, who is completely uh, knocking it out of the park. Again, another, like I said, uh, a collection. I have it in hardcover and softcover. I really love seeing it. And like Star Wars, the covers that they had done were really spectacular. They did a great job of, uh, of, of really building the hype for the release of, of, of Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. And, and, and again... It's it's you know there's nothing better than given the hype and the success that Batman had received in the wake of everything that Frank did when he you know took his paddles and re, and and really rejuvenated the patient because again back in our archives there are many uh, different episodes that deal with the absolute receipts the falling sales that Batman had experienced through the 70s and 80s post the Adam West Batman show. The interest in Batman just continued to wane, wane, wane. Taste changed. Uh, taste changed. And then one day, Frank took over. Batman gave a chilling uh, depiction of him, a chilling, exciting, thrilling, and it really whet the appetite for all that was to come. And then, boom, there was no looking back. No matter if you were Jim Starlin, if you were Norm Breifogel, if you were Chuck Dixon, if you were on Batman, Batman was now a premier A-list, first-class franchise again. No looking back. 
and 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 through the 90s breaking batman's back the introduction of bane that is corresponding with now the incredible film success uh based you know based on the tim burton 1989 movie then picking backing on his sequel then the uh you know the 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 the, (laughs) i gotta laugh the joel schumacher films one of which is entertaining the other which is really calamitous the the Batman and Robin the the Arnold as as Mister Freeze what a weird what a weird movie and 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 even though I really enjoy watching Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy it's also very very perplexing <laughs> the whole <laughs> the whole thing but but there is no doubt that that had capped a decade of uh you know because I mean before the nineteen eighty nine movie came out you had hype from eighty seven through eighty eight the Batman movie was coming it was coming okay so so then when you get to nineteen ninety seven and you get to close the you know close the books on the Batman Robin uh, theatrical experience, which had been coming at us from announcements and hype since, since 87. It was, it was a, it was a decade of this stuff. And the comic books of the nineties really reflected the, the ongoing success that because Warner brothers literally poured, you know, what, what is just shy of a billion dollars into all those movies. And, and, uh, you got the Batman animated series out of, out of it, the, the, really the, the Bruce, Tim, Paul Dini, uh, Dynamo was born on the back of the animated series, so so it was only in, in in the in the eyes of the fans appropriate for the Godfather of this brand new vision of of Batman to return and do this incredible trilogy. And honestly, I, I just I may I may put Batman Three: The Master Race and and move it slightly ahead of, of the sequel. It, it was really well done, and the fact that Frank was doing short stories featuring so many of the different cast of characters because what Batman Master Race really did was expand and give you more Wonder Woman, give you more Hawkman, give you more Catwoman, give you more Aquaman, uh, Green Lantern. It was just great. It was it was really phenomenal. But again, part of this trilogy of Star Wars, Secret Wars, and 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 Master Race that became the the the, the pillars of comic books in 2015. So let's look at exactly what are we talking about in terms of sales, Rob? What are we talking about? Now, Star Wars, I'm telling you, not just a million, 1,073,000 copies of Star Wars number one in January of 2015 at $4.99 a pop. And and $4.99 a pop back then is like $6.799 right now. Okay, $4.99, really, really ambitious pricing. Huge sales, huge success for Marvel. It was like 1977 all over again. That the hype was incredible, and I mean, they, they, they this just kicked off again. Leah, Princess Leia, number one. Lando, number one. Darth Vader, number one. Vader down. Just an incredible year of a return to dominance of Star Wars. One million seventy-three thousand copies. The the basically the upper echelon of sales for the last twenty years. Number two, again, Secret Wars. Number two, Secret Wars. Sold 550,000. I mean, we were loving this, this opportunity with Marvel. And, and, and trust me, Alex Ross also uncovers on Secret Wars. Esad Ribic drawing his absolute ass off. And I, again, I think Jonathan Hickman's bright, shining star during his... Uh, era at Marvel was the Secret War story. It was really sinister and uh, smart and clever and well done. So the uh, 
a, 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 an orphan black book, which we've established had a bunch of, uh, so, th- so there was a mail order service and it, it was heavily contributing to buying like hundreds of thousands of comics, some for Marvel, some for DC. Everyone was trying to cut a deal. They, 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 they did a big deal um, buying a, a giant allotment of, of Rocket Raccoon when Scotty Young uh, bought that. This was a again a tremendous boon, and and this explains why <laughs> you 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 see uh, the, the the company was called Loot Crate by the way the company was called Loot Crate and Loot Crate bought a shit ton they should have called their company shit ton because they were buying shit ton of direct comics that they would then put in a box that they wanted you to order and if you ordered that box you would get that Scotty Young Rocket Raccoon you would get that um, Orphan Black comic you would get that whatever tie-in that they were buying that month, but they were constantly buying tie-ins and shipping them. And and trust me, I was in on that box craze. I, I was having three to four different boxes from all the different Loot Crate-styled companies, including Loot Crate, because they'd, they'd bring stickers and T-shirts. And um, that, that really just recently kind of finally died down. But also, uh, a, a comic, Brave, Bravest Warriors Tales of Halo John from Boom... Sold 502,000 copies. Tying it with Orphan Black from from IDW, which sold 502,000 copies. A whole lot of loot crate was happening during this era. Well, the number five book of the year is Dark Knight 3, The Master Race. At $5.99 a pop, the highest price point of everything in the, in the top five. Marvel was $4.99. Secret Wars was $4.99. This Halo John was $4.99. Orphan Black was $3.99. Master Race was $5.99. It sold 449,000 copies. You guys, we are not seeing numbers along these lines right now at all. Like, there is nothing doing this. As, as, as low as it got in the mid-2000s, when we had a Green Lantern book selling 78,000 copies as the top-selling comic, and in 2001, when we had a 90,000 X-Men book as the top book at Marvel, suddenly, you know, this is a giant surge. And I remember very specifically, very, uh, just like it was yesterday, all of the new stores that were starting to pop up, many of which are still here in my backyard of Southern California. But it was like the excitement of comic books and the success of comic books coupled with cards and Funko Pops, all that stuff was coming uh, in this giant collectible excitement and stores were opening. Great stores, really great stores. Expansion of existing stores. This was a great time for the marketplace and it was backed by really top, really top products. I mean, again, with John Cassidy, Stuart Amon, and Jason Aaron on the Star Wars books and then, and then Esad Ribach and Jonathan Hickman and then Frank Miller, Adam Kubert. You had big, big talent uh, that, that, that talent really, I mean, that, that, that fans had really connected with uh, on these books that was really electrifying the fan base and that the retails, retailers believed in. And there was all of these different covers, which, which was, again, eight years of this. By the time you get to year eight, and you go, eh, maybe, maybe 50, 30 covers. Maybe, maybe this is too much for me to digest. Maybe this is too much for me to invest in. This wasn't that time. This was exciting because it hadn't been done on this scale. The fact that it was being done on this scale was kind of like the creative tsunami and, and it overwhelmed our senses. And we're like, wait a minute. You mean I can get a J. Scott Campbell, you know, uh, Boba Fett cover or a J. Scott Campbell Star Wars cast? And I can get, you know, an Alex Ross and. Look, it was really uh, just an exciting time because it really felt like sky's the limit in the comic book world. And these numbers 
are crazy. These numbers I'm giving you are crazy. One million hadn't been almost for 20 years prior, hasn't been in the eight years since. But that excitement was legit. And again, what's happening with Star Wars in that space. And, and again, my, my son, who was five years old when we went and saw Revenge of the Sith. I'm going to tell you right now, the Clone Wars, the, 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 the prequels, those don't get the respect they deserve. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> I enjoyed certain aspects of the latest trilogy with Rey. I am not a hater of those movies. I think the last one was rust. I think the middle one was misunderstood. I think the first one is like fantastic. It moves great. Maybe you don't like all of the content in it, everything in, with, in, in regards to the fate of Han Solo, but it moves great. It looks great. It's fun. It really captures, I think, the spirit of the first movie. But the, uh, the prequels were just ridiculously original. Give me Darth Maul. Give me General Grievous. Give me Count Dooku. Jango Fett. Uh, so many, all of the crazy great uh, Jedi Council members that we got to meet that that bring us to Ahsoka and 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 all of the great uh, episodes that we're getting now and in the last year. Andor. Andor was next level awesome. Just by. A, a tremendous filmmaker in Tony Gilroy and 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 the and and the uh, cast and crew that he put together, and all the all of those mini arcs that made one giant arc. It's a different cat. It's 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 a different you know animal altogether in the way that it's paced. But uh, from like Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all, all these others, I am telling you right now, what I am seeing and this kind of the. In in recent episodes, like the Clone Wars, come to life with live action, getting Hayden Christensen to to embody the Anakin that we saw in the Clone Wars, which of course took place between you know uh, the middle movie and 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 uh, Revenge of the Sith. When I saw Revenge of the Sith, and I took my two boys, I took Luke and Chase. I I was like, this is among the better Star Wars movies. Of which at that point now, there's only six when that comes out. But I thought Revenge of the Sith had incredible, inventive action, imagination, pacing. It is a great movie. It never uh, really takes any time off. It is just snap, crackle, pop. The entire movie just moves, moves, moves. It is so ridiculously entertaining, but especially I am so partial to the Obi-Wan General Grievous showdown. And then, of course, the uh, the final battle between Anakin and, and Obi-Wan, having read about that for years, again, fans my age. How old am I in 2005? I think I'm 38 years old. I'm 38 years old. I'm about to go see the promise of everything that I've been waiting since I read it in the sci-fi magazines, mainly the pages of a magazine called Starlog. Everybody who's in my age range will remember Starlog was our Bible. It was kind of the wizard magazine without all the market speculation of, of the sci-fi set before Wizard Magazine by about a decade. It had you know, pictures from the set. It's where you got your first uh, legit pictures of Empire Strikes Back, of the sequels, of all the different sci-fi movies, whether it was The Thing, whether it was uh, Escape from New York. I mean, Starlog was the place, but they had done uh, incredible interviews where Lucas would talk about the idea that he, you know, eventually he wanted to do a movie that showed where Anakin and Obi-Wan had their falling out and they battled at the base of a volcano. And then when you see that vision uh, enacted in Revenge of the Sith, I was coming out, still do, 
still do come out of my skin when I watch that movie. I think it is a fantastic film. And those movies were absolutely, let's be honest, shit on by the critics and the and the uh, you know the 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 film snobs who 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 looked down on them. And 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 I really felt like is this the way that people were looking at George's original movie? Because certainly. Star Wars 1977 was carried by kids. I remember often those weekends when I would go and see the movies. I wasn't surrounded by adults. I was surrounded by like-minded teenagers, young people, boys, girls who were 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I mean, it was young crowds that powered Star Wars. And and, and so we grew up and we wanted these prequels. And do I think Phantom Menace is too long and has some lag? Yes, but the last 45 minutes, I forgive it in its entirety. I thought Attack of the Clones was fun. I, I remember being in the theater opening night for the midnight showing back when that was a thing. Everybody had their lightsabers. People were dressed like Jedi. And when we saw Yoda spring into action and bounce all over the place and we had never seen Yoda fight, especially like that with a lightsaber jumping. Oh my gosh. And that battle years later with in, in Revenge of the Sith where he's battling in, in the Senate uh, uh, against uh, against Palpatine. I mean, this stuff, this, this stuff was exciting. And the five-year-old Luke Liefeld grew up, and those movies are precious to him. And those characters, Anakin, Ahsoka, all of these characters, uh, Sabine, the Rebels show, he never missed any of them. And and we watched them regularly and consumed them side-by-side, side, father and son. And so now it's just great seeing the newfound respect long overdue for that material so there's my little star wars bully pulpit had to hit it especially on an episode that is celebrating the return of star wars to marvel in 2015 and all the incredible success that it has so that is our first scratch at comic books we'll come back in part two and revisit comic books somewhat but your top five for the year were star wars secret wars halo jones orphan black and Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, a fine uh, top five. Two of them heavily uh, achieved through this mail order uh, company, but Marvel and DC were both doing you know business with that. But it kind of feels like in terms of relevant, Master Race would be right there, number three. But hey, you know, people play the game. All, the, all of the different publishers play the game. It's a business. You want to make money. If someone's going to buy 100,000 and stick them into, uh, or 120,000, or in some, some cases we heard 200,000 copies of a comic and fit them in, 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 in boxes that are going to be direct mailed to your house as part of a mail order initiative trying to get you to buy a subscription, then so be it. But comic books were exploding and Star Wars was all the way back in 2015. As, as we uh, pivot towards the music of 2015, you're gonna have fun with this one. A lot, a lot of great names, incredible voices, incredible talents, many of which are still making a ton of noise, of course, noise or music per se, here in 2023 in the modern era. Our top selling albums, nobody could compete with. Here I'm gonna do my best. Hello. <laughs> Hello. No, Adele 25. Sold 8 million albums. Do you remember not only that first uh, single, but how Saturday Night Live spoofed it on their on their Thanksgiving show? Again, when I talk about family, we would get together and watch Saturday Night Live the morning after. We'd DVR it, and the kids, we'd all gather together, Joy and Olivia and Chase and myself, and we watched Saturday Night Live, and there was a uh, Thanksgiving episode, and, and, and you know, when, when conflict came up, everyone would kind of segue into this uh, Adele take off the Adele video and of course Adele is there and it was just 
hysterical and they're blowing in the wind and it, it's a real it's a parody on on her on her music video at the time but Adele really just massive impact that year massive incredible impact she topped the charts with 8 million sales Taylor Swift which which literally her 1989 album had come out a year before but it powered its way to number 2 with 3 million uh sales you know in 2018 I took took my daughter to Taylor Swift and it was really it, it, so here's the deal it's the morning uh, that day of that concert is the Saturday the Deadpool 2 is in, in theater. So it's a really exciting time. I have a local show in Southern California, Frank and Sons, that I did a Deadpool day. I actually kind of threw this in, entire event myself. I had Louis Tan, who was Shatterstar there. I had other people who had worked on Deadpool myself. It was this giant celebration, but it had to end exactly at 4 o'clock so I could get home and get the car. And I took my daughter and her two best friends, and we went to the Rose Bowl, and we saw Taylor Swift because my daughter, that's just her champion, right? And so then this this last year, when Taylor Swift is coming to the, you know, SoFi Stadium, the, the, the home of my Super Bowl champion Rams, uh, and, and, and selling out six nights. Do you, know how, do you know how hard it is to sell out six nights at SoFi? God bless Beyonce. She is a powerhouse. She sold out three. Taylor Swift sold out six nights at SoFi Stadium. I think an average of 75,000 seats where she was visible. I, I've read as many as 80,000 a night. It's a phenomenal feat. But like seeing that it, it was the 19, 1989 album, my daughter really fell in love with Taylor Swift in her Red album, the the, the Red uh, album era, and just never looked back. And, and it's just incredible seeing the staying power and, and literally not just the staying power, but the the surge in her popularity. She, she is really one for the ages. You may hate her, that's fine. I have a daughter. I see her through her eyes a lot. But but I, I do recognize that Taylor Swift is incredibly talented, writes and produces so much of her own music, um, kind of like a, a new age Johnny Mitchell uh, mixed with, I mean, she's got so much going on, country pop, but Taylor Swift was the number two album of 2015 with her 1989 album selling 3,105,000 copies. Justin Bieber. I see pictures of Justin Bieber on the internet every day. If he goes out to lunch, if he, you know, I, I don't really can't remember the last time that he hadn't had, had an album that my daughter was listening to because that's where I would have listened to that f- from. But his purpose album, and we re- literally, again, my daughter, she, you know, from the baby, baby original single, watched him grow up kind of, you know, they're, they're not that far in, in terms of age. But Justin Bieber's purpose album sold 2.2 million copies. Ed Sheeran, okay. Ed Sheeran is still popping off. He's still, you know, selling out uh, uh, arenas, not not stadiums, but incredibly, incredibly successful, incredibly uh, accomplished. His X album uh, was the number four most popular album of 2015, with sales of again 2.2 million copies. And then, honestly, these last two, again, just as popular, if not more so, like Taylor Swift, right now in 2023. The weekend has exploded since 2015. And in 2015, he had the number four album with Beauty Behind the Madness. And I mean, cut to, what was it, the 2021 Super Bowl, where he did the halftime show? I mean, you've got to be a giant mover and shaker to get that call, to get that, you know, platform for your performance. And, And I mean, he is 
gotten into acting, producing uh, The weekend that this was really where it was absolutely blowing up for The weekend. who honestly, again, combines when I listen to his music and, and my sons are probably bigger fans of The weekend than my daughter. So I, that's why, again, and, and, and you got to understand, when we have pool days and all summer long, we're out by the pool, the kids control the music and they blast all this stuff, is which, which is how I am so familiar with, with so much of it. And that goes way be above and beyond just what I would used to, when I used to drive them around, and of course they would want to listen to their music, and so we would listen to their music. But the weekend, uh, it really, I feel like since 2015 we've never stopped listening to him. He had sales of two million uh, for his Beauty Behind the Madness, which I think I already said. And and number six, I'm going to read. Uh, I, we'll, do, we'll do top ten. Drake. Drake, if you're reading this, it's too late. My son today, 23 years old, hung up the phone with him. He told me, Dad, I'm going to see Drake this weekend. People, uh, friends of mine went and saw Drake at the forum uh, uh, here here in, in, in Southern, Southern California, L.A., in the summer. Um, he's still packing them in, still still selling them out. Uh, not, not the forum, Staples Center. Uh, Drake with 1.9 million albums. Megan Trainer had 1.7 million albums. Sam Smith. In the Lonely Hour sold 1.7 million. Sam Hunt sold 1.3 million. And Fetty Wap. <laughs> Has anyone seen Fetty Wap recently? I remember when my kids told me about Fetty Wap. And I, I, I was like, are you saying that name uh, correctly? But honest to God, all 10 of these acts are still relevant. Making music. I see them. I see their videos. I see their presence. Uh, whether they're hosting shows, producing shows, or turning out new hit singles. Fetty Wap with sales of 1.2 million rounded out the music of 2015. Adele, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber. I mean, Adele is 5 million more than Taylor Swift. And again, Adele is a powerhouse. We, uh, the last time I remember us really gathering around the, around the uh, television to watch like a music event, uh, which because we cer- certainly don't watch the award shows really anymore, was when Adele two years ago had her uh, fall special that she taped at the uh, at the Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles. It was beautifully filmed, ridiculously cinematic, and she she sang her melody of hits. And uh, I mean, so obviously her staying power is incredible. She's got that Vegas uh, what, what do you call it that that dedicated, you know. Vegas every weekend show. Gaga's got one right now. We went and saw Gwen Stefani when she had one. Um, but yeah, Adele powering through Taylor Swift, literally the biggest thing in music. You could argue with me, but you would be wrong. The sales, that 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 Eras tour, just uh, mind-blowing. Uh, being there with my daughter and, and putting five years between 2018 and the 2023 and seeing, I mean, good God, because that's what I was trying to tell my kids like back then. Like Taylor Swift was selling out multiple nights at the Rose Bowl. With even with the 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 seats, you know, uh, that, that that are blocked off because you know, obviously the, you don't count the ones behind her that those aren't sold. I'm like she's playing to seventy five thousand people. Rose Bowl is just you know a ninety plus thousand arena. She's playing to seventy thousand again and again and again. She goes to SoFi, and 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 does eighty thousand minimum six nights, six straight nights. This 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 is a powerhouse talent that is not going anywhere anytime soon justin bieber ed sheeran the weekend that's your top five drake is your top six i feel like every single one of these acts is still relevant and will continue to be relevant uh from here to to, to many years ahead so so the music of 2015 should should be maybe even more familiar than all those comic books i read off to you in part two 
of 2015, we are going to go into video games, the best-selling video games of the year, the movies that rocked 2015, and of course, the television and the streaming, because streaming was really just starting to blow up. We're going to cover all of that in part two, but baby, the comic books of 2015, man, they showed strong. That was some flex. Those are some big numbers and some great creators and some great teams and some great times. Uh, 2015 is, is, is an absolute blast to revisit and we will get back at it as soon as we approach part two in our very next episode. Here at Rob Observations, at the end of each and every episode, I read the ridiculously generous reviews that you all have been leaving for our show. Your reviews are so important. They help separate us. They help prop us up on on all the platforms, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, It's really easy. If you go to Apple and you want to write a review, it doesn't take that much time. And again, I try and catch up and read as many as I possibly can. Uh, that you leave, and I do. I do at least one at the end of each and every episode. Today we're doing. We, we, we are going with some international flavor, straight from Denmark. My friend Freddie Frost, Freddie Frost from Denmark, uh, leaves just an incredible review. Again, when you guys uh, do this, I, I appreciate it so very much. It is such a huge part of the show. That uh, that 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 our listeners that you all have uh, expressed your enthusiasm in this manner. And I, and I'm just so touched and so thankful. And here is uh, Freddie Frost. He gives us five stars. He calls the title of his review, unbridled enthusiasm and valuable insights. Freddie writes, Rob's observations is a great combination of true love and enthusiasm for the medium combined with rarely shared insights and perspectives on the comic book industry. By taking a historical view on both industry and comic book titles through the years, we get to share a passion and learn something at the same time. Well done, Rob Liefeld. And best of all, Robservations makes you want to read some comic books. Okay, that may be the best line anyone has ever written about the show and for me, and I take it so uh Seriously, because you know how much I absolutely love comic books. Robservations makes you want to read some comic books. Thank you, Freddie Frost. That is incredibly generous. Thank you listening to us all the way in Denmark. You you all continue to carry this show. And uh, again, our, our episode to episode, the numbers just continue to reflect the enthusiasm that you're showing for the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in, for listening. And, and, and again, I am just so, so grateful uh, for all of you who uh, listen and share in our Observations podcast. Before I was a podcaster, I wrote and drew comic books, and I am still writing and drawing comic books. On September 20th, my latest edition of Deadpool Batter Blood hits stores, finer stores everywhere. I encourage you to go run and grab your copy before they're scooped up. Fans of Deadpool will love it. Fans of Wolverine will love it. Fans of Venom will love it. Venom Pool. And even Spider-Man crashes the party as we set up our huge finale. Cable is um, is a big big figure in this issue. Take center stage. And, and we tie it all up uh, in, in issue five. But man, issue four, once again, like I said, the spirit of Jack Kirby came upon me and said, Rob, are you really having as much fun as you possibly can? 
are are you are you are you making the images as fun and as and as thrilling and is there as much motion and and action and and I am uh, just pouring everything I have into this series. I am so thrilled to share it with you. When the books come out, it's so it's so excited to get them into your hands. At this point, when you get this, you will be almost a hundred pages into our Deadpool Batter Blood Saga, the sequel to the very best-selling, top-charting Deadpool Bad Blood, which you can go back and find if you need to go do that. Your comics or should have a soft cover, should have a hard cover, or you can get. Um, single issues of the original Bad Blood run that Marvel re-released last year. Deadpool Batter Blood number four, the penultimate issue, is out September 20th. I appreciate so much if you would give it a shot. I'm I'm fairly certain that if you um, give it a shot, you will totally dig it. You will absolutely be entertained. Big, big guest stars. Spider-Man, Wolverine, Venom, Venompool, Cable, a new group of characters named... Find out when you get the book, okay? <laughs> and and that's that's not including Arcada and Killville and Thumper and so many of the other fresh faces that are jumping through it. Deadpool, Batterblood, number four, September 20th. You have it. Do not miss it. That's the date. Hey, on social media, I am all over the place. I love talking to each and every one of you. Uh, I, I, I love reading your responses, your DMs, your comments. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld, R-O-B-E-R-T-L-I-E-F-E-L-D, at Robert Liefeld. Reach out, hang out. I have a, one of those blue checks that comes and goes, but right now it's it looks like it's sticking. It says that I am the real Rob Liefeld. You guys, I've, I've seen it. Um, uh, Josh Brolin and some other uh, buddies that I follow, they've all put up their, their um, you know, beware these phony accounts. Uh, 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 recently on Twitter and on Instagram, people are always trying to imitate. That's the one true value of the blue check is that it 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 it, it, it verifies that you are talking to the legit person and not a squatter of the name. So I will look for you. Look for me on Twitter. I am at Robert Liefeld. Over on Instagram, I would love for you to uh, follow me on Instagram. Interact with me. I love reading again your comments, your DMs, your your messages, and that is my visual library, what I'm drawing, what I'm eating, who I'm hanging with, my family, my friends, my work, my vacations. I just, again, it's a, it's a visual diary of, of kind of what I'm going on. You're like, no, Rob, it's your visual diarrhea. Also guilty as charged. Both counts matter. Both can be applied. Follow me on Instagram. I'm just Rob Liefeld over there. I'm at, at Rob Liefeld. Again, uh, a blue check telling you that you are talking to the real guy. And I, I, I love all the interaction that we are able to uh, put forth and, and go back and forth in, in terms of reaching each other on Instagram, at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. I look forward to seeing you over there on Facebook. We have a group. It's a group. It's called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. I would absolutely dig it if you would join us over there. We're having a great time. So many of the discussions that we start here, the topics that we discuss, we continue and have longer form uh, uh, just just debates and discussions and interactions over on the uh, group that we have on Facebook, Rob Liefeld, Marvel, Extreme and Beyond. Myself and an administrator, a moderator named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. The two of us are, are, uh, are, are the names that you're going to see when you submit and get clicked through. That's how you will know you are at the right place. Uh, Terry runs art contests every week. People are sharing their art, their concepts. Uh, their enthusiasm, their comics. I would love for you to be part of our group over there, Marvel Extreme. Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond is the name of the group. And we hope 
to see you there sooner than later. Live streaming is something that I really have um, grown to love this last year. I even tried to give it up and I couldn't. I love it so much. I am on an app called Whatnot. Grab the app, download it, follow me, Rob Liefeld, and you will get uh, notifications of my latest shows. We do custom remarks, signatures, sketches, art, uh, Funko Pops, toys, all of it. it. It's always a really fun time. I have taken myself off the convention circuit. The only convention I really go out of country, out of out of state for, uh, is is the New York Comic Con. Otherwise, I'm I'm just in California and. I do San Diego. I've been doing San Diego since I was a kid. So, so those are the, those are the two mainstays. In between, I've really cut down on travel, and it, because if I if I did travel uh, as much as 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 so many of the other um, acts out there who are just going and 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 having the opportunity to meet you, uh, it is generally without the burden of of penciling and inking uh, a monthly comic. I mean, I'm already giving you your 2024. Uh, stuff i'm already hard at work on the new cable series cable first contact as well as the sequel to major x and some extreme surprises that that you will find in store so i am really off the convention circuit off the store circuit and working really hard i couldn't get all the stuff that i want to get done uh in 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 in, in, if, if i was out touring as hard as i did many years ago so live streaming is the best place to catch me whatnot is where i am doing my live streaming right now and again like we'll have copies of Deadpool Batterblood 4 uh, in probably before they hit the stores, but you can grab them and they will arrive the day that they're going to go on store, uh, go, go on sale in your store uh, because we ship really fast. We have a high rating, a five uh, rating over on whatnot because we work really hard to please you, the customer. We take um, your your orders and your uh, you know experience extremely serious and we want to please you at the highest level so we try and get that stuff out to you as fast as possible but again custom remarks sketches artwork funkos toys look for all of that when i go live and boot up on whatnot thank you as always for listening to rob's observations thanks for spreading the loves thanks for telling your friends uh we're going to get back at it uh with our very next episode but when we get to this point each and every episode i just want to ask you and, and, and well, I just want to wish you all the very best. Ask you if you're doing okay. Make sure that your mental, your spiritual, your physical, and your emotional health are where they, where they need to be. We are still coming out of a crazy time. The world is crazy. Having been here uh, almost 56 years, I can absolutely tell you I have never known as a really tumultuous a time where people are trying to divide us all the time. I don't care where you sit on uh, any part of the political spectrum. The message is divide, divide, divide rather than unite, unite, unite. And we are so much better when we're united. And I just ask that you are, uh, you know, at least taking a break, getting off that crazy treadmill, uh, the, the grind that I call it of, 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 of delivering work and, and carrying those burdens and, and just get out, have some fun with your friends, your family, go see a movie, go watch a show, read a comic book, a graphic novel, read a bestseller. My wife is a voracious reader. She has always got a new book, uh, in her hands that she's reading in the mornings, in the evenings, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, that that release valve that you tap into so that you can reset and get back at it. Uh, again, food, I'm, I'm a huge, huge believer in in uh, 
in, in having those those cheap meals. I don't care if it's pasta. I don't care if it's lasagna, if it's pizza, if it's a, oh man, a pastrami sandwich. Oh my gosh. We had the best pastrami sandwiches the other night. Oh, and, and there's a, a bunch of great sandwich shops around here that we do not uh, uh, attend enough. We don't we don't give them our patronage enough. We got we to gotta change that as we are heading into the fall. But again, you know, candy bars, Kit Kats, uh, my son goes to this uh, Japanese market and brings back all these different flavors of Kit Kats. They're fantastic. Uh, but 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 the king and, and still champ is the Reese's, the Reese's Big Cup. Best 90 seconds of each and every day. It's kind of a free ad that I give them because I love them so much and they really literally have been part of my everyday walk maybe since I, at least the X-Force days. I, 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 I can definitely give you 30 years of a Reese's peanut butter cup a day and look, you know, maybe it gives me my, my special edge or maybe it's what pushes me over the edge. I don't know. I'll leave that for you to find out. I hope that you are doing well. I am rooting for you. Fist bump, boom, right through the mic. Come back, see me. I'm going to be here. Circle back to the comic book cul-de-sac. We will uh, most certainly, most inevitably and absolutely talk again real soon. Thank you.